The peace of Christ be with you. And also with you. Let's turn and greet one another. welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church, especially those of you who are visiting with us. We're delighted that you're here today. On each one of the rows, there is a friendship pad. It's a black folder. It's probably near the center aisle, and we'd love to have you take it and fill it out. Let us know that you're here and pass it down the row so others can do the same thing. You can see the announcements in the life of the church that are inside of our bulletin. Tomorrow, because it's New Year's Eve, our office will close at noon. And there will be a service celebrating the life of Elaine Robinson here on Saturday at 2 in the afternoon. Two weeks from today, Fotos Romeros will be speaking to us about Greece. He is the person who has done the arranging for the trip that some of us are taking to Greece in April and May. But it is going to be an adult education hour at 10 o'clock. Everybody's welcome to come and hear about Greece today and about Paul's travels in Greece. Our third Friday group would love to have you join them to hear John Moore talk about his climbing of Mount Kilimanjaro. Uh, not too many of us could make that one. So he will be talking about that, and it will be a potluck evening. You do need to sign up to come to that one so that we know how many seats to set. Um, during this, the uh, Christmas holiday, Mimi Oldshausen passed away. Her husband, Richard, is a part of our congregation. And the flowers today are in celebration of an anniversary. Warren and Mary Cannon are celebrating their 50th anniversary today. Let us pray. We are grateful, gracious God, for the specialness of the season that we have participated in with our family and friends in worship, with the singing of Christmas carols, and with the new discoveries that we have of who you are in Jesus Christ. And so now stir in us a deep sense of your spirit to help us to grow into the fullness of Christ into this coming year as we place our lives in your hands, even in this worship moment. And so we celebrate you, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please join me in the responsive call to worship. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his host. Praise, Praise him, him, sun and moon. Praise, Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He established them forever and ever. He fixed their bounds, which cannot be passed. Praise the Lord from the earth, you sea monsters and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and frost, stormy wind fulfilling his command. Kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and women alike, old and young together. We will praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His glory is above earth and heaven. All the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Let's stand as we continue our worship with singing. Sing, church.
church. Sing we know of Christmas, sing we know Noel, joyful news we bring you, happy tidings tell. Sing we Noel, the King is born Noel. Sing we know of Christmas, sing we know Noel, sing we know of Christmas, Noel sing we Let us pray. O God, we are told by your holy word to clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. But too often we clothe ourselves with hurtful garments. We clothe ourselves instead with stubbornness, selfishness, impatience, rudeness, and apathy. Help us to clothe ourselves with love. Help us to mature wisdom and grace so that the peace of Christ may rule in our lives and in your church. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Have mercy on us and grant us peace. We bring you now the silent confessions of our hearts. For we pray through Christ, our Redeemer. Amen. My friends, the grace of God has dawned upon the world with healing for all humankind. Blessed be his glorious name. May his glory fill the whole earth. Receive the good news. Jesus, the Lamb of God, is the bearer of our sins and the Redeemer of the world. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Amen. He shall light a thousand candles this belly and night in the glorious morn. We shall sing a thousand carols proclaiming our wonderful Savior is born. We shall light a thousand candles dispelling the night in the 
For the reading of the Gospel of Luke, I want to add a verse before the verses that you see listed. We'll begin with Luke 2.40. The child Jesus grew and became strong and filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Now every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover, and when he was 12 years old, they went up as usual for the festival. When the festival was ended and they started to return, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it. Assuming that he was in the group of travelers, they went a day's journey. Then they started to look for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. And Jesus said to them, Why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. The word of the Lord. O Lord, now may this word that you have spoken to us from ancient times become powerful and effective for our transformation to become the people you call us to be in all of your fullness in Christ, in whom we pray. Amen. In the years of 1980 to 2001, the U.S. Army recruiting slogan was, Be All You Can Be. And it was pretty successful. They're trying to change it today because the next generation doesn't seem to relate to that slogan. If you look on the internet and you look under what it means to be a mature human being, you will find literally hundreds of definitions of maturity. I suggest to you that Jesus is a prime definition of human maturity. I believe that part of the process of parenting is to wake up one day and realize that we have an anxiety and a fear of losing our children. In 1959, our family took a family vacation from California to the Midwest to our home country in central eastern Illinois. My father loved Cadillacs, and he had bought a limousine from Technicolor in Hollywood, and that was our family vacation car, <laughs> driving around the United States in a Cadillac black limo. Needless to say, the relatives were impressed. <laughs> Along the way, we would stay at various places and stop at various places. We would stop at drive-ins and gas stations and rest stops. And, of course, that was always a big operation because there were eight of us in the car. <laughs> my five brothers and sisters, my mother and my father. My younger sister, Marcia, was eight years old at that time, and she was a free spirit. In other words, she had a pretty strong will to do what she wanted to do and go where she wanted to go. And we had stopped at one rest stop, and we'd all gotten out, and we'd all piled back in the car to take off again. And about 10 miles down the road, my mother noticed we were missing somebody. Marcia was not in the car. 
So he turned around rapidly and went back for her. And needless to say, my parents were in high anxiety. What do you do when you've lost a child on the road and you're a long ways from home? But we went back, and there she was standing on the road, waiting for us, smiling and saying, you forgot me. (laughs) Well, I believe that Jesus' parents, when they discovered that he was not in the caravan, it says that they were in high anxiety. It's easy for us to identify with Mary and Joseph at this point as parents. And maybe as a teenager, if you can think back, or you are a teenager now, you might be able to identify with Jesus as a teenager, saying, did you just assume I was going to go with you? I'm kind of on my own here. And you can kind of see the parents wringing their hands in frustration and saying, why have you done this to us? We're very, very upset. The actual word is we're in deep grief over the potential of losing you. We thought we had lost you, that you were dead and gone. Parents come to that point where they realize that they need to give up their growing children. And sometimes that's a recognition in our own spirits, and sometimes it's just a splash of cold water across our face when our child overtly rejects us. You can remember those moments bringing up teenagers. I remember the moment when my daughter Tamara, my oldest daughter Tamara, rejected me in favor of a young man. She was going out on her first date, and the young man was coming to the door, and I was going to the door, and my daughter intercepted me and said, No, Dad, you're not going to the door. I don't want you to, will, to greet him because you might scare him. <laughs> and I don't want to do that to my first date. So please go back into your room and I'll take care of it. I knew I had been replaced with all of the amusement and humor and deep sense of anxiety that caused. We all have these growing up stories. And it's interesting to note that this growing up story in the life of Jesus is relatively unremarkable. After all, Jesus grew up to do miracles and feed 5,000 people or more and to do amazing things like walk on water. And this story is simply Jesus missing the caravan and staying at the temple. There are some Gospels that have Jesus healing birds and resurrecting children that he has lost his friends. Well, Luke doesn't do that. Luke keeps this moment fairly ordinary. God is at work in the ordinary movements of life where parents are giving up children and teenagers are saying goodbye to their parents. Those are God moments, according to the life of Jesus. In fact, this Luke story is sandwiched between two of these passages of Jesus growing up. Luke 2.40, the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. At the end of the story, Luke 2.52, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and divine and human favor. He grew and became strong, filled with wisdom and favor. He matured. He was growing into an adult. And it wasn't just about his physical stature. It was about all of his humanity. How many of us would like to keep Jesus small and still in that manger? You know that carol that we sing at Christmas time, once in Royal David City? The middle verse, for he is our childhood pattern, 
day by day like us he grew. A marvelous statement about Luke 2. But then notice the next lines. He was little, weak, and helpless. Tears and smiles like us he knew. Little, weak, and helpless is kind of like the way we would have We'd love to keep Jesus in terms of understanding his baby humanity. In fact, there's a great parody on NASCAR that was a movie created by Will Ferrell. who's called Talladega Nights. If you did not see Talladega Nights, be prepared if you decide to see it because it's a little edgy. It's a little irre- irreverent when it comes to Christianity. But it has some very powerful theological statements in it. Ricky Bobby is at the dinner table with his friends and family, and they are giving thanks. He's praying, and he prays to the baby Jesus and gives thanks. Now, Ricky Bobby's issue is that he's always been trying to live out his dad's expectations, and his dad's expectations were summarized in the slogan, If you ain't first, you're last. And he's trying to live that out every day of his life to become first. And then he goes on to how he's going to raise his own two sons, and he says they're winners, and winners can do whatever they want. To which his father-in-law says, you're raising terrible sons because you're letting them do whatever they want. And his wife says, why do you pray to the baby Jesus? He said, I like the Christmas Jesus best. I like Jesus cuddly and warm and confined in a small space. And we begin to wonder if some of us haven't created our own times in Jesus' life that we like best. But Jesus grew up. And that's one of Luke's powerful messages. He didn't stay weak and helpless and cuddly. He became a very strong human being who didn't agree with an awful lot of what was going on in human culture. And the beginning of that struggle appears here with the parents. He was on his way to becoming an adult leaving his childhood behind. And they were not thinking that way. And Mary says to him, child, and Jesus is acting like an adult. Mary is still trying to keep him at home, and Jesus is saying, don't you understand? I'm an adult in my greater father's house. The parents assuming he will continue to be a child, and Jesus saying, don't you get it? I'm growing up. The parents are summarized by some of these words in the text that all start with A. They assumed he would continue to do things the way he'd always done them as a child. One day we are confronted in our assumptions and the children stopped acting the way we assumed they were going to act. Very frustrating moment, isn't it? He was, we thought he was among the relatives and the friends, but no, he was off among the teachers in the temple. And they were astonished to see him there. And Jesus reacts the other way. Well, I'm astonished you didn't expect me to be here. This is where I belong. And the anxiety that they go through, and they're beginning to realize they were losing him out of their household because he was joining God's greater household. But isn't that what we parents want our children to do? We want them to move out of our house and become of God's part of God's greater household. That's why we raise them. But there's a struggle in our own hearts for letting them go. And we can identify with these parents and their deep grief. They're fearing the worst that Jesus has gone out on his own and he's been lost. He's been killed. They simply didn't understand, and that word understand means they couldn't put all the pieces together of the puzzle. 
they had a puzzle and it was not fitting together in the way that they had expected the puzzle to work. Do you ever feel that way as a parent? You're looking at your child and you're looking at your own way. You understand this ought to work and the puzzle just isn't coming together right. I think if you are an intelligent parent with a good child, you better come to the point of being puzzled and realizing that they have a different framework and way to be put together than you thought they did. The text and the words in the text are very strong about how Jesus grew up. As it's been one of my pet peeves about English translations, English translations tend to take the guts out of Hebrew and Greek. The languages tend to be a lot more gutsy than the English translation shows them to be. Jesus increased. Well, that's a very nice word, isn't it? No, it said that he really became greater and greater and stronger and stronger. He waxed powerfully into adulthood. Much stronger language and increase. He became strong-willed. Not just strengthened in stature as in his size. No, he grew in his power of assertiveness, as we see in this text. And at the year of 12 years of age, he was already asserting his understanding of his call in God, and his parents didn't get it. He had assertiveness to the extent, as the Greek term suggests, he prevailed over other people to assert his perspective on life. He didn't do that by intimidation, but he did it by participation in the conversation with adults, and they were amazed and astonished of how capable and assertive he was. Because you see, in the third word in this text, he was filling up with wisdom and grace. He was abounding and overflowing with the nature of God in his life. And each day he was growing, he had more and more of that attribute of being identified with his father's house. Now, at the end of this text, in the end of the story, it says that Jesus actually also increased in favor and wisdom and maturity. But that word is even a tougher word than the original one. It's a word that implies that Jesus had to hack through life. He had to cut through the underbrush and trim out the weeds. He had to deal with the chaos and the trouble and kind of go through it. He had to forge ahead when there was a lot of resistance. Wouldn't you love to have children that want to forge ahead in spite of the resistance? That doesn't sound weak and helpless, does it? Because Jesus was on his way to maturity and wisdom and growing in grace. Jesus becomes our primary model for growing up as human beings. And the New Testament, as well as the entire Bible, suggests that God wants us to grow up to become mature human beings, whole human beings, and the job of parents is to help children grow up and become full adult human beings empowered to do everything God has created them to do. Parenting is about raising our children to become mature adults. But there are many ways in which we tend to block our children from that. Like this moment when Mary says, Child, why did you do this to us? Jesus isn't having it. He asks her a question. Don't you get it? Why are you looking for me in all the wrong places? When you knew I would be in my father's house. Why did it take three days for Mary and Joseph to find Jesus in Jerusalem? When the most obvious place was he was in the temple talking. Because that hadn't clicked in their minds. How well do we know our kids? 
If they were to disappear, where would we look for them? Where would be the inclination of the assumptions about their identity and their nature? In my pre-Presbyterian days, my, my parents were Pentecostals, and they didn't baptize children, they dedicated them. So I stand before you as a child that was not baptized, an errant Presbyterian. But when they dedicated me, they said, physically and literally, we give our child to God after the Old Testament pattern of Hannah and Samuel. You know, we Presbyterians don't quite put it that way, but baptism is about recognizing this child is a child of God, not primarily our child. And so life built into the way we raise our children as people of faith is the assumption that our children are on a journey into God's house, and we're helping them get there. And so today we see this story as an invitation from our own teenage years to grow up and from our parents in adult years to empower our children to become everything God's created them to be. And to see that life is about the process of getting mature. And if you are listening to my sermons for any length of time, you will discover that my broken record almost every Sunday is grow up. And it's a sermon to myself on a daily basis. Gareth, grow up. God wants you to become a full, mature human being. And there are things that are holding you back from doing that. So cut through all the stuff and grow up. And that's the wonderful news about the coming of the baby Jesus. Not that Jesus stayed a baby, but that Jesus grew up and became a full, mature human being and shows us how to do that. Today we celebrate the Lord's Supper. And we may not think of it this way, but this is an invitation not to a table like Ricky Bobby's table to keep Jesus as a baby. This is a table to recognize that Jesus was a full, mature, grown-up human being when he hosted the table. And when you come to this table, it's an affirmation of Jesus' full humanity and his invitation to us to fully grow up as we take the bread. So as we take the bread and we drink the cup, we are saying, Lord, help us grow up. Help us become everything you want us to be. And we're going to keep eating at your table until you've accomplished that in us. And there's some implications in our theology and eschatology for the future that heaven is about continuing to grow up. And so it is today. That we don't just let our children and encourage our children to grow up and become everything God has created them to be, but it's an invitation for us as adults to keep becoming more mature. So as we eat of this table today, let us receive the invitation that is implied in it to become mature, complete, whole, adult disciples mature human being. Let us pray. Thank you, God, that you have shown us the example of Jesus who is one of us and was not afraid to grow up and was not afraid to leave his parents and do what you called him to do. Keep us from the temptation of keeping Jesus small and immature and help us to embrace Jesus as the powerful, assertive, mature human being who helps us grow up. It is in Jesus' mature name that we pray.
Amen. Will you stand with me as we affirm our faith together? From the letter of Paul to the Ephesians. In his letter to the Ephesians, the Apostle Paul exhorts the church to lead a life worthy of the calling to which we have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as we were called to the one hope of our calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. Each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. Amen. Let us be seated and bring to the Lord our morning offering.
Let's stand as we sing this last verse. God, we come to you today with hearts that are conflicted. We're coming still in the midst of Christmas joy and fun, and we praise you for the ways you've shown forth your love and the warmth of friends, family, and maybe even strangers. But we also come with a tinge of sadness, with the memory of loss, with loneliness, or maybe even frustration. God, we ask that you be with us in all of these moments, that you intensify joy and love in our lives, that you send us out to intensify it in those around us, and that you meet us in this place to worship side by side, lifting up and holding one another, no matter what this season brings. God of peace, justice, and wholeness, during Advent we waited and waited, paying attention to ways your coming kingdom works to subvert all our expectations, reverse our assumptions, and bring a peace which surpasses understanding. Your Son is now in the world, moving among us, still drawing us out of comfort and into risky relationships that turn the world around. God, we ask that you shape us into the people you've called us to be, a people who know that you are alive, who know that you love the world and seek to see it made whole. So God, this morning we ask that you bring peace to places of violence, war, and enmity. We think this morning of Syria, Yemen, Mexico, Colombia, El Salvador. We pray for all those living with uncertainty, anxiety, and fear. For those in our own community and around the world without food, without homes, and without assistance. God of life and hope, we are grateful that you call us together, that you call us your own. May this call be the root and foundation of all we know about ourselves, the source of the hope we cling to. You are the God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And we praise you for all the faithfulness with which you call, lead, and guide, and sustain us each day. May our lives and the gifts we bring this morning be ever shaped by the knowledge of your unmerited grace. Multiply these gifts, use them, and send us out as people who are changed by the knowledge that you are God who is with us, Emmanuel. In your loving and holy name we pray, amen. So as we hear the invitation of Jesus to come to his table, we recognize that it's an invitation to come and be participants in full discipleship to become everything that Jesus already is. To come and to share the full banquet 
and to be filled up with all of that wonderful maturity and wisdom and grace. So you are invited to come to this table if you seek to be a follower of Jesus and you want to be a part of that growing wisdom. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. God of mystery and might, with joy we do praise you. For you entered our world as a child of humble birth, yet word made flesh, wonderful counselor, mighty God, prince of peace. He lived amongst us, full of wisdom and grace. In him you welcome us back home from our straying ways. In him you give your life for the life of the world broken bread that feeds, poured out wine that forgives and heals. You give, we receive, and we are grateful. So we ask that you send now in kindness your Holy Spirit on these earthly things, this bread and cup, that the bread we break and the cup we bless may be for us the body and blood of Christ. Send us out into this new year in gratitude as the body of Christ in this world to live in your wisdom and grace, even as we pray for the day when your will is done on earth as in heaven, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body, given for you. Do this, remembering me. And in a similar manner, at the end of the meal, he took the cup and he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. And the Apostle Paul reminds us that as often as we drink this cup and we eat this bread, we grow into the purpose of Christ in the world, that we would lay down our lives for other people as Jesus laid down his life for us. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Our ushers will bring you a row at a time down the center aisle. We invite you to take a piece of bread and dip it in the cup and then return to your seats by the side aisle. Will our elders come?
Let us give thanks. And so we give thanks for these moments where we've shared this meal with you, Lord Jesus Christ. This is your table. And so we commit ourselves to following in your way, to growing into your character and fullness, that we might be full participants in your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And so go with us now. Help us to share the wealth that you poured out and into us that we might be responsible, just, and righteous human beings 
even with our frailty. And so we give ourselves to you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The blessings that we offer at the end of the worship service are not blessings from the baby Jesus. They're blessings from Jesus crucified and risen. That we might become like Christ, full of grace and truth, assertiveness and favor with humanity and with God. Go and share that adult ministry with the people in your life. Amen.